0: couple years ago, seven, eight years ago, I got to go to China. If you would have told me when I was a kid I'd get to go to China one day, I would not have ever believed you. But by God's grace, got to go to China. We were there kind of on a missionary exploration trip. We were meeting with Christians who meet in these underground, not literally underground, but secret private churches in China uh, because there it is illegal to meet in that fashion. And yet, church the church in china is exploding with converts it's a beautiful thing so we went to some of the biggest cities in china and visited with those christians and my faith was just enriched to no end i'd love for all of you to have that experience one day in addition to that work we also spent one day at the great wall of china Again, if you'd have told me as a kid that the Great Wall of China that you're studying about in school or reading about, that you would ever get to go there and stand on it, I would not have believed you. And I asked Russ if he could go through our old pictures and see if he had a photo of me at the Great Wall of China. And I think he's got a photo of me at the Great Wall of China. Let's throw this up there. This is me trying to climb. The Great Wall of China. And so uh, at the time I was really into rock climbing and basically the Great Wall of China is the largest climbing wall humans have ever made, okay? And so I thought it'd be cool to just see, could somebody get over this? And as I start climbing up there, I hear really angry Chinese security guards yelling at me, okay? And Sam Liao, one of our elders here, advises me to come down lest I end up in a Chinese prison. So I, I, I did come down the Chinese wall. Let me show you this other picture though. Here's what I want you to see about the Great Wall of China. It's 13,000 miles, 13,000 miles of wall. Took over 2,000 years to build. What I want you to see in this picture, you see down here at the bottom, you got a little stretch of, of wall, and then you see that kind of house structure there. Okay, then you go down further along the wall, and you'll see another one of those structures a little bit further down, and then you can look on, and you can see them in the distance. You see those? You know what those are? Those are watchtowers. That's what that is. Uh, there's about two per mile. There's about 25,000 watchtowers along the Great Wall of China. And each of them is built a little bit different. It took 2,000 years to build the wall, so architecture changes over the course of those years. But most of them are three stories. The bottom story, would, they would keep grain and supplies, livestock down there. The middle story was where the watchmen slept. And then the top story was what we might call the watch deck, okay? It's from that top story that they kept watch. Now, they kept watch night and day, They would send signals. They could send a signal to the emperor thousands of miles away within just a few hours by smoke signals and fires that would be passed from one watchtower to another. So it was like the ancient email took place here on this wall. So if you think about it, there's 25,000 of these watchtowers around China. Each one of them had three to four guys in it all the time, night and day. What that means is at any given moment, there were a 100 Thousand men, whose one job was to watch over the people of China. Think about that. That's their job to keep watch over the people of China. Pretty remarkable to think about. I was thinking about that as I was preparing this sermon about shepherds, and we're going to be in Acts chapter twenty today. If you want to go there, I invite you there. Acts chapter twenty, starting in verse twenty-four. But I'm going to start Ezekiel thirty-three, and that's going to make sense in a few more moments. In Ezekiel, God gives to Ezekiel, and then later in Ezekiel, through him to a number of other of the leaders of Israel a job. And you're going to see that here in this passage in Ezekiel 33. Listen to this. At the, uh, at the end of seven days, the word of the Lord came to me, and the son of man, he said, I have made you a watchman for the people of Israel. See that? So pay attention here. Hear the word I speak. Who's talking? God is speaking to Ezekiel. Hear the word I speak and give them warning from me. Now, this is so important. And I'm going to keep reading this passage in just a second. I want to make something clear here. He's saying, like those watchmen along the Great Wall of China, your job is to watch over the flock, but your job is different from them in this regard. They are only looking down, whether that's on the Chinese people or on threats to the Chinese people. But I want you to also be paying attention in what direction? Up. Up. Specifically, your job as a watchman is not just to watch the flock, but to listen to me so that you can communicate what I say and want of my people as a watchman. You see that there? Okay, let me keep reading. When I say, this is God talking to a wicked person, you will surely die and you do not warn them or speak out to dissuade them from their evil ways in order to save their life. So he's talking about somebody who's caught up in immorality. That wicked person will die for their sin, and look at this, and I will hold you accountable for their blood. Pay attention to that. But if you do warn the wicked person, and they do not turn from their wickedness or from their evil ways, they will die for their sin, and you will have saved yourself. God's saying to Ezekiel, I'm giving you this really, really, heavy burden frankly a mighty responsibility that you would not only be the watchman watching the people of Israel but that as watchman you would see as your job to communicate to them what I have to say to them and if you don't do that I'm going to hold you accountable for it uh you may not know this, but most of the Christian colleges connected with Churches of Christ right now are giving out massive, massive scholarships if you will commit to majoring in Bible or ministry. Okay, so young people, listen to me. If you want to go to school for basically free, just tell them you want to be a minister, okay? And they'll let you in. It wasn't the case when I was growing up. I'm still bitter about it, but right now, They'll give you nearly a full ride at most of our Christian universities if you'll major in Bible. You want to know why that is? It's because there is a dramatic shortage of ministers among our churches. For reference, my dad, who graduated in the 80s and went into ministry, graduated with 40 other guys who went into ministry at the time. I graduated with four, and only two of them are still in ministry. And yet... With that free money, I feel like there should be a Surgeon General's warning on that money. You know, like there is on a packet of cigarettes. This will kill you. We know it now, okay? We didn't know it in the 60s. Everybody was doing it. We know it now, all right? I wish that money would come with a warning. This is the warning from James 3.1. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly I cannot tell you how much I wish that was not in the Bible. Look at that. There is a burden and responsibility, a strict judgment, an accountability on those who watch over and share with the people of God what God desires of them and what he would say to them. Okay. So why am I bringing that up this morning? Well, we're talking about elders today like we did in the video. And and you'll remember last week, we talked about the gentleness of good shepherds, that a good shepherd is somebody that you can trust when you're suffering, who will receive you with compassion. But being a good shepherd is really a two-sided coin. And on the other side of that coin is the need that we have from somebody in our life. This is why shepherds exist. The need we have from somebody in our life to give us direction. And that that direction would lead to our protection, that it would be given to us in the spirit of knowing what is best for us and what God most wants for us, that direction. I mean, think about it like this. Can you imagine you go to a shepherd and you say, listen, goodness gracious, I made a big mess in my life. I am a train wreck. And all the shepherd says is, tell me how that feels. You say, well, it feels terrible. That's why I'm talking to you. And he'd say, that's great. Let's explore those feelings. You would be so frustrated, wouldn't you? You don't go to a shepherd just to explore your feelings. You go for a shepherd for guidance, for direction that will lead to what's best for you, your protection. That's why you go to him. Uh, think about Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. You know, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil for you're with me. Do you hear it in the psalm about what a good shepherd is doing? What's he doing? He's guiding you through those difficulties so that you're okay protecting you. That's what we need. Okay, so so why do I bring that up today? Well, come with me to Acts chapter 20. You remember that scene in the Gospels where there's a woman who's caught in the act of adultery, and they bring, her before, bring uh, her before Jesus. And you remember what he does? He bends down and he writes in the sand. And forever, people have wondered, what was he writing in the sand? Ah, what was he writing? What was he thinking about then? I think Acts chapter 20 is kind of a similar moment. Paul is on his farewell tour. He, he's pretty sure this is the last time he'll see most of the churches that he planted And he's swinging by Ephesus, and the Ephesian elders are going to come visit him on the way. They're going to meet him out at Wendy's or Dairy Queen and have a conversation. So he thinks it's the last time he's ever going to see him, and he was to encourage those elders, and I think he was reading Ezekiel before that meeting. Because all the words you're going to see in here about what it means to be a good shepherd are words he has stolen directly from Ezekiel. It's shaping how he's thought about his own life and how he thinks about their calling as shepherds. Look at this. However, I consider my life, he's talking to elders, worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord has given me. What's the task? The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Now, I know that none of you among whom I have been preaching about have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Excuse me. Therefore, I declare to you today, I am innocent of the blood of any of you. You remember that from Ezekiel 33? Why is he innocent? For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Look at the very next verb. So keep watch. Keep watch over yourselves and over all the flock of the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Overseers, overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God. So he's blurring two images, the watchman and the shepherd, into one. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know after I leave, savage wolves, Ezekiel talks about wolves, will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise. They will distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Think watchmen. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning you. Each of you, night and day with tears. Now I commit to you, sorry, now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up. Recognize that from our vision, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you. In everything I did, I showed you by this hard work that we must help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Okay, what's he doing here? He's looking at his life. He's trying to think about what he's going to encourage these shepherds in. He's been reading through Ezekiel, and he says, listen, everything I was doing, I was doing because that's what God instructs his shepherds to do. So pay attention to what I was doing and do the same thing. Okay, so what was he doing as a good shepherd? Well, he's communicating to them two things. And if you're an underliner or a circler, circle these in your scripture, look at this. He's communicating to them two things number one grace and truth you see those words there grace and truth and number two the whole will of god what he also calls the words of jesus himself go to the next slide go up to the next slide if you can the words of oh we're having technical difficulties i see okay there it is all right grace and truth and number two the whole will of god and the words of the lord jesus himself that's what he's sharing with them let me tell you about a time in my life i was in high school I was having a real faith crisis. And I tried to talk to a bunch of other people around me about my faith crisis, and nobody was helping me. Teachers, friends, nobody was helping. Uh, everybody else in my church went to my dad when they were having their faith crisis. He was the minister. But it turns out he was my dad, so I was not going to listen to anything he was saying. Right. So my dad wisely grabbed this other brother at church And this brother did something that nobody else had done for me in the midst of this months and months of struggle with my faith. He sat down and he opened God's word. And he said, let's see what the Lord says about that. Now, I want you to think about your own life. When you have struggled and had difficulty, it is such an encouragement to have friends around you who just text you, how you doing? It's such an encouragement for somebody who who loves you and loves Jesus to say, I'm praying for you. That builds you up. But isn't there a marked difference when that person turns with you to God's word for guidance? Do you see the difference there? Do you see the difference? What we long for in shepherds are those who are tapped into what the Lord has told us and wants for us. That's the difference with the shepherd of the people of God from just your buddy, okay? If you've got this in your hand, this Shepherds of Highland thing, look at it with me. If you don't, it's okay. The middle passage here is from Titus 1, 5 through 9. Listen to how it ends. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it's been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. In Acts chapter six, when the apostles are dealing with a crisis in the church, these widows who haven't been getting taken care of, they make sure that those widows get taken care of, and then they say, all right, now we're going to return to the ministry of the word and to prayer. What are they saying? It is our job to be tapped into the Lord, like the watchman on the tower, not just looking downward, but looking up. Let me show you this little circle here. This is something our shepherds have been exploring together recently. In some ways, we we think that this is the essence of shepherding. Like those in Acts 6, our shepherds are going to spend the bulk of their time in prayer and study of God's Word. That's hearing God. Okay, but drop down with me to the bottom. The reason they're spending their time there, in addition to their own just personal connection to the Lord, is that at some point, you or I will go to them, and we desire that they would hear us really clearly. We want our shepherds to be good, good listeners. And when they hear me really clearly, the reason that matters is I want them to intercede for me with the Lord in a way that will actually benefit me, in a way that's actually connected to what I'm going through in my life. So they take what you're dealing with and they take it to the Lord. And this is what's so critical. We desire and believe that they can hear from the Lord whether that's through prayer, through scripture, like all of us, we can all hear from the Lord, but we desire for people who are diligent and going to the Lord that they might hear from the Lord. Why? So that when they say something to us, when they guide us, it's not just based on their extensive business experience, their extensive experience as parents, experience matters, but why? We want it to be based on what God wants for us. That's the difference. I can go to anybody else who's had kids, and ask them for advice on that. Okay. For that matter, I can get on social media and there's no shortage of people on there who will give me advice. Right. Okay. The reason I want a shepherd is I want a shepherd who's tapped into what God wants for me and is guiding me in that, a watchman in that sense. Okay. What kind of person can do this? Well, there's there's two things I want you to underline here again if you're looking back at how Paul describes himself and how he challenges them. He says this about himself. He says, I never stopped warning you night and day. Never stopped warning you night and day. And I did it with tears. When I look at that, I see number one, I see a reflection of commitment to this. And number two, I see affection for the body over which they're given charge. I was talking with Larry Houck this week. Larry's been an elder at Highland for a long time. I asked him, because I was thinking about him this week, how long he's been an elder, 47 years, 47 years. I said, goodness, Larry, how old were you when you started? He was in his late 30s at the time. I'm in my late 30s right now. I asked Larry, I was like, Larry, can you even imagine that? Can you, can you picture me being an elder right now? And he said, no. <laughs> so like, that was pretty quick. Uh, is that a comment on my character or age? And he just said, no comment what was his answer to that. And uh, here's, here's the thing, about 40, 70 years, I mean, listen, to that. that's commitment. Night and day, not taking breaks from the people of God. And I know Larry looks like a heartless old guy, but I have seen him shed tears for the people of this church. He's actually pretty tender. I've seen him shed tears because of his deep affection. Okay, Larry would be the first to tell you he's not perfect, not perfect, not perfect. But he has a commitment to this body and he loves this body deeply. And that's what we're looking for in a shepherd. Look at this. This is from 1 Peter 5 two: be shepherds of God's flock that's under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you're willing as God wants you to be. Okay, why? Why? Why is this? Let me draw your attention to two more things in Acts 20. There's, there's really two reasons we need shepherds watching over us, communicating to us what the Lord would have us to know, and protecting us in that way. Why? Two reasons. One, because we are always in danger of being led away, drifting away, number one. And number two, we need to be built up. Paul says here, it's when somebody gives to you the words of grace, God's words of grace that you're built up in your faith. That's our vision here at Highland to build up the next generation. We believe that that's gonna happen when the word of God's grace is deposited in the hearts of young people. So we need that in shepherds. But let me go back to number one. There are constant dangers out there. Paul describes them as savage wolves. And discerning the wolves from the sheep is not always easy. Sometimes wolves look like sheep. Or look like grandmothers. Just ask the Little Red Riding Hood, right? Uh, and sometimes you can't perceive who the wolves are and it takes discernment. And that's why the elders are a group who give themselves to ensuring that this flock is protected from wolves. And we need that in our lives. We need it desperately. On that note, let me just say, I have the greatest confidence in our shepherds and the greatest confidence that they have done that. And our shepherds want you to know, if ever you want to talk to them about what they are doing on the wall, keeping watch, they are open to you. We'll answer any questions you have. In fact, they wanted me to make it clear today. If you want to talk to them today, they're available and willing today. We've got multiple shepherds in this church. If you want prayer, if you want to pour your heart out to them, they are open to you anytime. Okay. It's because you can trust them. And they want you to know it. Let me end with this story um, from one of my favorite books, The Silver Chair by C.S. Lewis. Jill and Eustace, this little boy and little girl, uh, have been given the job by Aslan, the lion who represents Jesus in the stories, to go and find the missing Prince Rillion, Prince Rilian, And... Um, what they don't know is he's, he's deep in a cave far from Narnia under the spell of an evil witch. But Aslan gives them instructions to go and find him, and, and the instructions come in the form of a poem. So they're words that Jill and Eustace are supposed to remember, words that are supposed to guide them to the prince to fulfill their mission. They're words on a page. Does this sound familiar to you? Words on a page to guide them through their quest. And um, they take off though. And the problem is, and maybe you've experienced it, that sometimes words on a page just don't seem very clear to you in real life. Is that making sense to anybody? And how that applies and directs me in my life just always, isn't always immediately evident to me. And so they're on this journey and they're having problem after problem because following these instructions is hard. And they come across, across this guy, his name's Puddleglum. Okay, he's a marsh wiggle i don't know if you've ever met a marsh wiggle they're tall and and slender they've got these big feet and they're not any fun at all he doesn't laugh at anything jill calls him a wet blanket but he agrees to go on this trip with them to find prince rilian and the whole time, they're trying to follow these words that uh, Aslan has given them, and they keep making these wrong turns, and he keeps warning them. In fact, one time, they meet this beautiful woman, beautiful woman, and she invites them back to her home, this great, great mansion. And the kids say, man, that sounds like a great idea. And, and Puddle Glum says, I don't know. It's not in the poem. Not in the poem. But they go anyways. Inside this great mansion live these great giants, and as soon as they walk into the mansion, the giants hold the children and the Marshwiggle prisoner. And uh, the Marshwiggle leans into the kitchen as they walk by, and he sees open in the kitchen this giant cookbook, and it's open to the page, How to Cook Small Children, he notices this and he gets their attention. And he helps them to break free and they escape, but they escape deeper into the ground, underground into this cave where they come across that beautiful woman who turns out is a witch. And there's the prince and he's under the spell of this woman by this magical fire that she has there. And as soon as the kids and the marsh wiggle come into the room, she begins by that same fire and the spell over that fire to cast a spell over these children. And slowly, Jill and Eustace forget where they are. And they forget that ever there was a Narnia. They forget anything about the words on the page from Aslan. They forget about Aslan himself. And all they can see around them is this small little cave. And they begin to believe what the witch is telling them that this is all there is. Believe me, follow me. And at the last moment, Puddleglum wakes up sees what's happening and fights the power of the spell to get to the fire. And with his big giant feet, he steps on the fire and he burns his foot so bad, but he puts the fire out. And as soon as the fire is out, the kids come to themselves, right? And they fight off the witch and they escape and all is well in the world. And every time I read that story, I think like, that's what I need. I need somebody in my life who is not under the same spells Sometimes I am. Somebody who will rush in at great cost to themselves and sacrifice themselves so that I might be awakened. It's what God wants of me. The moment Puddleglum jumps on the fire, he says, I'm on Aslan's side. (laughs) And that's what we want from our shepherds. We want shepherds who are on the Lord's side. Paying attention to him as they watch over us. Would you help us to find more of those? I hope you will. Let me say a prayer over us and we'll be dismissed. God, I thank you for your people here gathered in this place. I'm so thankful, God, for the shepherds who have ushered your church through 95 years of history to bring us to this place for your good and your glory, God. Would you continue to raise up godly servants here? who would serve us by being tapped into you and your word, sharing with us your direction so that they might protect us, Lord, as good, good watchmen. I pray all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.